Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You're listening to the Celtic Soul Podcast with me, Andrew Millen. You're all very welcome to the show. Episode 18 already, and today my guest will be former Celtic and Spurs player Ramon Vega. This episode has been sponsored by CelticClothing.com, and I'd like to thank Charlie Lord for his continued support. Well, the pre-seasons are done and dusted, and now it's time to get down to the business. Sunday sees the quest for the 10 in a row kickoff against Hampton. I still expect some new faces to come in to bolster the squad, and without sounding like a broken record, we need to strengthen at the back and we need to add cover and competition for the number one goalkeeper's jersey. After watching the game against Hibs yesterday, I think we have some quality young players coming through. Neil Lennon fielded an experimental lineup with a couple of injuries to first team players and he rested all the boys that played on Sunday. Young Irish international Luke O'Connell looked impressive. He came on in the second half and he can deliver a decent pass and he links up play from back to front in the middle of the field. So I'll be looking forward to seeing a bit more of him this season. It looks like Lenny and Griff have kissed and made up and that spells good news. He looked sharp when he came on and was robbed of a goal when Paddy Klamala was just too eager to impress the manager and tapped in from close range. But fair play to Paddy, he got on the score sheet again and there was no doubt about his second goal. Young Dembele opened the scoring and he grew into the game after he equalised. 3-1, a good walkout following on from the 2-0 on Sunday and the more recognisable 11 took to the field. I think the lineup that played on Sunday will most likely start against the Yankees on Sunday. Ramon Vega is a successful businessman, a Swiss international footballer who won silverware with Grasshoppers, Spurs and Celtic. And here's how we got on when I chatted to Ramon earlier on. Hi Ramon, you're very welcome to the Celtic Soul podcast. How is life for you being in lockdown? Oh, hi Andrew, how are you today? Uh, yes, I'm glad to be on this uh, Celtic podcast. Well, I think the lockdown is pretty much like every everybody else. Uh, came by obviously a lot of surprises, and at the same time, uh, never was expected this. Yeah, uh, these ups and downs, and also the consequences behind this lockdown. Of course, you know, from the economic point of view, but also from the safety and health uh, issue as well. It's quite a worrying a lot of family members potentially and and so on so it's uh yeah it's 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 a, it's a different different times let's call it and i think everybody has to adjust a little bit but at the same time i had plenty of time for myself as well and family again you know it's also nice yeah i think a lot of people had time to maybe rethink i think we were all living very busy lives and maybe busy doing nothing some of the time and it just did give people to think you know yeah, we can have some time with the family now or we can have some mm. downtime to think about the future. Now, everyone knows about your football career and it's been well documented about business stuff you've done over the years. But can you take us back first to you know, your childhood in Switzerland and the Spanish connection? You know, mm-hmm. Give us a little bit about your background before you became, I suppose, a well-known football player. Uh, well, I think, you know, football, there's the beauty about football. Football, pretty much in a way, there's no really uh, a country flag in place there from where you're coming from 
uh, only us, us if we play for the national team, of course, you know. But in the same time, if you're a talented player, football really can you can play anywhere in the world, and that's the beauty about football. In my case, uh, I'm coming from an um, immigrant background from Spain. Parents were Spanish, and they were growing up obviously uh, in the Franco area in Spain. If people know a little bit of history in Spain and Franco, and it was not really a nice time. I think I think the only one dictatorship in Europe for the last 40, 50 years, what well, 20 years ago. And they escaped Spain to Switzerland for obviously a better life, of course, uh, and, and work, you know. Um, they managed to do that, not easy, leave it alone, not speaking the language. Because Switzerland has German, French, and Italian, none of them, my parents could actually speak only Spanish. Uh, still managed to do to get the job and work through it. I was then born in Switzerland uh, through through that. Lucky enough, in a way, because they give me an environment where is is a nice place, obviously, to be born as well, and also growing up as well. And yeah, but always growing up, I still had this immigrant kind of um, profile as such because obviously first of all the name is Spanish as you can manage Ramon uh, uh, and in Switzerland uh, uh, you know it's not many Ramons uh, walking around and of course you've been seen as uh, the immigrant even you were born there and grew up there and you spoke the, the language or, or, or German or French or Italian in this case you know so it was uh, you had this kind of battle to prove the, the home kind of the locals as such even I was a local myself you know uh, to prove to them that uh, yeah I'm 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 equal to them or potentially better you know and that's uh, was not easy sometimes to be honest here but football has given me this platform to prove that and um, was lucky enough then to join Grasshopper Zurich one of the main club in Switzerland at the time uh, with uh, 16 years old and um, and uh, yeah they give they give me really kind of. Uh, another entity in a way because before yeah you're in battle to to be to identify to be a, a part of switzerland society but football has given me them grasshoppers uh, first of all was the first club to do that a lot of footballers they pursue a career in football and maybe they leave home young and back in the day they maybe didn't get educated but you got educated yes well um yeah that's that, that's the other part of also born and grew up in switzerland also the hard work of my parents i have to thank them, to be honest with you, you know, I came with nothing to Switzerland uh, to continue me and and I really built up a, a platform for myself uh, for the future. Not limited, of course, to football. Football has given me kind of uh, where I'm the day a little bit, you know, but in the same time, my mother and father really, really emphasis the education, you know, and Switzerland has, without that, one of the top educations in the world, you know, and I was lucky to be there. And when Grasshoppers called me up with 15, what, nearly 16 years old at the time, my mother was not happy in the first place because, they were, what's happening with all the hard work we put into? Do, you know, you need to have an education, decent education for whatever happens in football, you know. So, Grasshoppers at the time was a little better. I was a little bit disappointed because I nearly not, never joined Grasshoppers because of my mother was saying, you need to educate. If you don't have education, you don't join Grasshoppers. And then Grasshopper uh, were kind enough to uh, accommodate that wishes of my mother. To, Are you going to have an education? But also uh, join Grasshoppers in the same time playing football. So I was like, in a way, the first ever prototype in a way of football and education together as a youth player at that time, you know. So I joined with 16 years old and I'd done my banking and business uh, education there in Switzerland, working uh, partly in, in a bank, but also playing football at the same time and go to school. So it was hard because most of the guys are 16, 17, 18 or 19 we're going out to the weekend and having fun, uh, as you can imagine. And that's normal. Uh, that's every 16, 17, 18, 19 supposed to do. I, I was working hard and trying to play football on the weekend, being the first team, but also uh, trying to go through the exams where it was a pain. <laughs> Let's be honest, if I look back, <laughs> it was a pain. There was a lot of fights at home as well. Uh, but I'm telling you that now here, if I look back, it was worth every time uh, because that time you're thinking like, as a youngster uh, life goes on forever and you play football you think that's forever this world but I have to say thankful to persevering for my mother to do that kind of education because that was my let's call it my second chapter of my life after football to be honest with you if you didn't have that 
who knows what we've been doing, to be honest with you, today as well, you know. And I think it's, uh, it's I think for every youngster or every football my or wants to be a football player, I will advise them to, to have at least some education. It doesn't have to be major academic person because, you know, everybody is that, but at least something you can actually uh, have a plan B in case football may, may not work out. Maybe work out until 2025 and then maybe you have an injury or you're not really out of contract and you may have to go to the, let's call it, brackets into normal life like everybody else to work and you need to get a job. And if you have an education, you have a much easier access to get that. So it was, it was very lucky that I had this, uh, this, but at the same time, they needed to push me as well. Let's be honest as well. <laughs> it was very difficult for me as well to do that. And I was lucky to play football for Grasshoppers there afterwards as a professional and had that degree. And also, uh, I think uh, if I look back, it does give you also more confidence. If you parallel doing this education within 16 to 19, you, you don't really get away from the reality of life because let's be honest you know football is is a dream for every single kid to be a football player because you're living in a kind of small bubble as well okay but during that time 16 17 18 yes i was dreaming i was actually going through the best dream of my life to play a professional player but also i went back to reality like everybody else has to go to the education system has to go to university go to the classes and everything else and that keeps you grounded as well to be honest and that's that's a nice thing part of it as well and it also gives you confidence because you know okay it might not happen with football but i have something to, to uh, back up there and that's uh, i think uh, an advice also for the future of youngsters if they really want to go into that uh, level you know it's a great story ramon i was fascinated to hear about your parents fleeing Franco Spain in search of a better life and not speaking the language and mm. uh, the life they managed to carve out for themselves and, and, and make sure you got your education because I think most of us, if, if our kids were good enough to be professional footballers, we'd probably forget about the education because we'd, <laughs> we'd be so excited ourselves. But you had a successful yeah. time at Grasshoppers. Uh, you won three leagues and a cup with them. So obviously a very yeah. successful team. And to be, mm. as you say, to be in it from such a young age, you then moved to Italy, to Calgary, then on to Spurs. Now, in the summer of 2000, there was big changes in Glasgow. Yeah. Rangers were the dominant team. We had stopped the 10 under Wim Janssen, but then we had another two seasons where Rangers were back in control. And Martin O'Neill mm. came into Celtic, and he was building a team, and it was a team of men. He was bringing in physical men because he'd said we'd been bullied. Now, he did try to sign you mm. back in that summer. What happened then, and can you fill us in? Well, at that time, um, only the rumours, well, in, in a way in the summer was more only the rumours that he would like to sign me, but nothing really came to fruitational conversation as such. So I started the season with Spurs, okay? Don't forget, I came back from an injury after the League Cup win with Spurs a year before. So I was just really coming three, four months into back to my injury back then in the summer. And I started the season with Spurs. But during that two, three months, obviously the conversation started to intensify even more with Martin O'Neill. And then by November, I think, something like that, really we start to sit down and say, OK, uh, Celtic uh, wanted me to go there. And I was really, really actually keen to go because I was very excited what Martin O'Neill was trying to do. I think he was, he's having already a few other players joining them at that season. And I think this is a great team potentially to win quite a lot of things there, you know. Uh, not knowing then uh, what we're going to win, <laughs> to be honest with you, you know. So, uh, first of all, great. I was excited to go. And then once really was concrete to go up there, uh, I was very excited to go to Glasgow, you know, especially in Scotland, you know. So, so when, I went, when I arrived to Glasgow, the airport, and, and joined Celtic, it was like I can see immediately the impact it has given me in terms of, the reception, just the whole energy around the Celtic fans and everything, it was unbelievable. It was something I said, wow, this is, I felt straight away home. I didn't even play one minute. I was just immediately landing on Glasgow airport and just coming out to the security and go to the stadium and everything. Just the reception was for me immediately a great feeling. Let's call it that. Really, really good feeling, you know. And then... Um, I even thought I was going to play the first game because I think I, I joined on Thursday or Friday and on Saturday we had the game against Aberdeen. So I thought you, you might just be on the bench to start to see you, your players because you, you never trained with them only once. 
half an hour, an hour before the game. And then I was very surprised that actually Martin immediately put me in the cold water at Celtic Park. And that was just amazing experience. This is, I always... To everybody, uh, to all my football friends, even back in Switzerland, Chile, Spain, whatever I speak to, to what is your best time? Where is the most in, kind of impressive way of, of describing the football? I thought Celtic Park, when you're walking out of that tunnel as a player, off the uh, clock. It's a different, different scenario. You know? well, I was at that game and you actually signed on a Friday. And yeah, you still remember that. <laughs> yeah. I think the game was a Sunday. And we beat Aberdeen 6-0, I know that. But you scored two goals. I think it was two headers, maybe. But yes. definitely one was a header. Because it was right in front of where I sat at the time. I sat behind the goals. And uh, I do remember. And we did toast you that night on the way home on the boat. So you, you became an instant hero. Because <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you what. As, as I came in, and it's just, it's just, on Friday, I signed it. On Saturday, I was with the team. And, What's you do before the game? You had a hotel, you got to know the people, you know, Alan Thompson, Chris Sutton, uh, also had a big kick, Henry Glasson, of course, uh, Neil Lennon, you know, uh, all kind of uh, great characters. Immediately, obviously, made me welcome, and sometimes joking, like Chris Sutton and all these guys that always had, <laughs> these had characters, you know, but immediately kind of uh, uh, welcoming me warmly to, to the team. And that made the big difference because it's not always you, you join a club straight away. It takes maybe a week, two weeks or months to adapt to the characters of the team, you know, but these guys immediately on Saturday when they arrived, immediately to make me welcome, warm welcome. And that's, I think, this, this is why I think on Sunday when we play the other team, we look like we play all the time together. We only never train, not even once, not one minute I trained with, with all these guys, you know. And, uh, yeah, the two goals was just a bonus, let's be honest, you know. Uh, I think one was um, a free kick for Alan Thompson, with the he- one with the header, and one with... Uh, uh, with with the food, I think was great experience at Celtic Park. Uh, what again? a left foot Tomo had! Oh yes, 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 yes. We had some great characters in the team. Oh, well, Neil Lennon, uh, obviously Chris Sutton, Alan Thompson, and uh, then Paul Lambert as well in the centre midfield. Where the big fellas in the back as well, Mialbi. Um, Fungaran, we, you know, we have three big fellas. Can you imagine? You know, we we were like a wall at the back. You know, we really played fantastic. You know, uh, and we melted very well together. We had some, we really communicated well. We connected straight away, and it always helps. You go the first game in, and then you're winning six 0 not one 0 or two 0 six 0 and you score in two goals as a defender. Uh, what else you can ask for? You know, and and the paradise started from then. It was for me like uh, a journey. Never wanted to end, to be honest to you, you know. Ah, Celtic fans is for me one of the best in the world. There's no doubt about that. Now, you were only at Celtic for six months. And a short, a, a short time, but yeah. how successful the time. You know, 26 appearances, four goals and a treble. Unbelievable. Uh, really. Yes, I, I, t- I tell you, if I look back now, this is really unbelievable, you know. At that time, it was like surreal as well. But I was a player, and and, and of course, uh, you know, uh, it was within six months you, you 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 win pretty much everything Scotland can give you as a medal, you know, and also the time we broke uh, that kind of nine wins of Rangers as well at the time, and we really kind of, I think that was the the start of the very successful Celtic period uh, in a, in a way as well, you know. Again, I'm I'm it's a shame I couldn't stay longer. I wanted to stay longer, to be honest with you. Uh, I said that for quite early stage already because I felt at home in Glasgow. I really, you know, uh, Scotland was for me a great place to stay in Glasgow as well. You mentioned Rangers there. You're an international footballer. You played in the Premier League. You played in Italy. Mm-hmm. You played in Switzerland. Mm-hmm. We know how big of a game it is. We know the, the tribalism. Were you prepared for it? <laughs> you never be prepared for something like that, <laughs> to be honest with you. If until you never, never experience you solve. You never can be prepared. People telling you about it, talking about it. You can watch programs about it, like like a supporter and the same thing. But physically, as a player, once you start that game, it's beyond of every goosebumps you can get. Let's call it that. It's unbelievable uh, what passion uh, the supporters on that game from 
Obviously, on both sides, you know. But I was uh, happy to present Celtic and, and also done very well against Rangers at that time. You know, Celtic Park, unbelievable atmosphere. Yeah, it's, it, it's, for me, it's like a, a little church there, let's call it. Not church, it's cathedral already, you know. So big, you know, so loud, you know. And, and the supporters are unbelievable uh, uh, in, in that way. That's something for me I, I never will forget. It's kind of... Uh, Beautiful memories I had of Celtic. Well, I'm getting goosebumps now just thinking about them games. <laughs> <laughs> that's just, it, it is. And then winning against them, that's fantastic. You know, it's great. You know, you, you got satisfaction, you got behind your, you know, you got that green, white shirt coming out and then beating uh, the Blues. It's, it's, it's something uh, out of, uh, of this world, you know. And then also winning on that year, the treble. That's pretty much uh, telling Rangers, you know, okay, you've done it eight, nine times, but now it's time for Celtic, you know? Yeah, we were bossing it then. But, like, for us as fans, to win that game, it's just so important. And the players think, oh, it's great to play in this. But for us, no matter who puts on that shirt, if they go out and they beat Rangers or get a result, this doesn't make a weekend. This doesn't make a week. This can make a year for people. This can make a summer. I'll tell you what, I noticed that on my first derby. Uh, you know, listen, I played the London derby, Arsenal, uh, with Spurs, Arsenal, many times, you know, in my four and a half years of Spurs, you know. Obviously, they're also big rivals, can you imagine, you know. I'll tell you what. Celtic Rangers is a different level. It's uh, it's an absolutely different level. It's one of the biggest derby I think in the world, without a doubt. It's definitely up there with Real Madrid, but well, it's not even a derby. Real Madrid, Barcelona, the classical, but seems like the same, you know, uh, or Lazio, Rome, you know. But Celtic Rangers is just up there. That's no doubt whatsoever. And I remember the first derby that week before. I never seen my life. There was about fifteen hundred, or I would say. 1,500 to 2,000 people fans, Celtic, and our training ground on a daily day base. Unbelievable excitement, the passion behind, and the motivation it was giving us for a Saturday playing against Rangers. I never seen something like that in my life. And, that, and that's a beauty. That's, a, you know, kind of uh, glad as you have. I was glad that Celtic fans were so passionate about because they were motivating our players to really win for them because they really are so behind the team. And what, as you say, whoever is in that short or shirt, uh, he will realise these supporters are behind you. And that's what I felt as a player. And on my first derby, that's the reason I'll give everything just to win that. And then I was lucky to do that. Oh, and we, we were lucky enough to witness it. And it was a season. But, you know, we've had some great seasons since then. And we're going through a great period at the moment. And Neil Lennon is back in charge now, a player you played with. This could be a history-making season. I knew Neil when he was playing with you and I knew that Neil enjoyed a good night out and I knew that once <laughs> or twice he was in Martin O'Neill's office. I've done a few shows as well with the boys and the stories are great about the meetings in the office on a Monday morning. Did you see anything in Neil back then to say, you know, he leadership qualities or were you surprised when he went into management? No, actually. To be honest with you, you asked me a question if I was surprised if he goes into management? No. I think... Uh, he already showed some signs then in terms of quality of leadership, but also in the same uh, 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 respect within the squad, okay? And that's part of the leadership. Leadership, obviously, you're playing well and you're fighting whatever yard you can on the football pitch, but also the other part is have that respect for each other or, or for team members either on the bench or not on the bench, you know. And that shows Neil Lennon's character. And that I was not surprised at all he might go into management. Same time, at the time, as you say, uh, yes, he loved, of course, his uh, night out. And I think not just him, but a lot of other players as well. And sometimes I was part as well, because I really enjoyed Glasgow with him. They showed me Glasgow a little bit, you know. Uh, um, and I really enjoyed it, you know. But what we, what we had... As a character, we knew as a professional, the next day we have a training uh, session or we have a game, we were professionals. We know we have to win. We need to show that we are, okay, if you go for a night out, then you also can put your, your heart and soul to uh, playing football. And I think Lin Lella and all the other guys had this character. And that was the beauty about that team in that year, you know. That's why it was also very successful. We knew how to, to enjoy yourself, but also we knew how to work very, very, very hard on the pitch, you know, 
coming into Neil Ellen's management is fantastic what he achieved. I think he, he progressed massively. He matured quite a lot with this. And, and I think uh, uh, it's fantastically Celtic, you know, to have a great period now. I'm, I'm following them most of the time. Uh, I do hope one day when everything, everybody can go to the stadium again, again, we can uh, join the... Uh, I can join once to watch uh, the game at Celtic Park. I've not been there for for a while. Let's let's say that you know. Sometimes, like I'm lucky enough to go to most matches, and you, you take it for granted. And then something like this, something like COVID nineteen happens, and you go, you go, you know what? I'll never take anything for granted again. You know, going to a football game or going for a few beers with your mates or whatever it is, you just you won't yeah. take it for granted. Now, you spoke about the mates there and the team ethic and the spirit mm. within that team. There was one hell of a player in that team, and that was Henrik Larsson. You'd obviously heard of him before he came up, but when I speak to other players, they, they, they didn't realise just how good of a player he was until they actually got on the pitch with him on the training ground. Yeah, but not just very good. I knew before I went up there, because when we we are similar age at the time, when he was a fair not as well, we played with Russell, sometimes a fair not at the time. Also, the Swiss, he was a Sweden international, I was a Switzerland international. We played against each other at that time. I really knew that how competitive he was and how, you know, from terms of skills and, and finisher. He was a great finisher. That's that's a given part uh, for Henrik, you know. And to join Celtic at the time, he'd be in the front as a defender. That's that's like a, <laughs> a dream to have because uh, you know, whatever happens, Henrik is there and scores. And that's a beauty as a defender, you know, as long as you, you have a clean sheet at the back. And the front, uh, Hendrik will always do the job. And uh, he was fantastic with that season as well, you know. I think everything melted so nicely with all the team members. Alan Thompson with his left foot, Acid, Chris Sutton holding the ball. And then obviously Hendrik uh, lost and just whistle around Hendrik, uh, um, Chris Sutton as such, you know. That was always great to have that. You got that reference with Chris Sutton as a pinch of the ball to him and he holding up and, and Henrik uh, pretty much either scores yeah, or vice versa. It was a huge kind of uh, uh, striker partner at the time in the midfield. We had some Neil Lennon of course, sent the midfield with uh, Paul Lambert. They were fantastic front of us, you know, screening the defence and, and going forward, passing that. It was a great, 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 great team, I have to be honest. Great to watch, great as a, I was happy to be a team member of that. Such a success great characters, even today, you know, uh, when we talk to each other, we just me- we have great memories, you know, from these years, you know. As I said, right, you only there for six months. For whatever reason, you offered a one-year deal and you decided against it. You took a three-year deal with Watford. The following season, mm-hmm. them, the, the players that you mentioned there went on to play in the Champions League and another great journey for us. We didn't get out of the group, yeah. but, you know, played mm-hmm. Valencia then in the UEFA Cup. And then 2003, we got the UEFA Cup final. Mm. Is there a tinge of regret there that you left too soon? Oh, always is a regret to leave something you wanted to stay in the first place. Uh, as I said, I always, I always said that I wanted to stay at Celtic, but I wanted to stay for a longer period, you know. And any time I tried to, to, to communicate with Celtic in terms of I want to have a longer period, but never really, that's the, that's the truth. There's never really a concrete offer came back from Celtic, you know. You're saying it's one year, but that one year, no, even that was already on the table to analyse it, you know. And then it was already the transfer period started July and then season start, season preparation started. I needed to know where I am going because I was out of contract at that time. And, of course, I wasn't uh, 21 or 22 at the same time, you know. Uh, I need to secure my future as well. So I... Watford came into it and at a time and, and, and they had a longer-term contract. But I was waiting as much as I could, but at least I had some comment from Celtic. So, listen, OK, you can stay here uh, uh, and, and maybe I could proceed to stay uh, even maybe a year or two, whatever, at the time. I would have done that, you know. But that's never happened. That's, that's, that's what I'm really to be disappointed at that time. Never happened, but you need to understand as a player, you need to cue your futures as well as well, and especially you're nearly close to the end of your, of your career. Regrets, of course, that I couldn't stay, uh, but at the same time, it goes mutual on the other side. That also not really has given me kind of a, an official contract or offer on the table. I can actually say yes or no, you know? Yeah, yeah. 
Now, you moved on, you moved to Watford, Celtic progress yeah. uh, under Martin. Would you still keep an eye on maybe the other clubs you played with as well? Do you still keep an eye to see how Celtic are doing, you know, keep an eye on results? And as you said, you'd like to get back up because it's been a while. If we get back in the stadium, you should be making your way back up mm-hmm. now because we do this 10 in a row, it would be some party. <laughs> Definitely. Uh, listen, listen, whatever happened, I stayed or not stayed. Listen, I, I was part of a team who made history for Celtic. Uh, I was glad I was part of of that history, and and these memories is like I was I was playing ten years for Celtic. Let's call it that. Even was short, but it was so intense. This uh, this period is like I stayed forever there, and that's why I, I, I'm saying you know even today, short spell, massive successful with them. It felt like I was there for five or ten years, you know, and that's Celtic for me. It was never go away. My memories is one be one of the best clubs I played uh, with, you know. And then, as I say, I would love to come back to uh, do to see uh, Celtic Park, you know, and, and get that feeling again I used to have, you know, as a player. It's it's been a long time, you know. It's it's fantastic. I envious the fans that can go to Celtic Park. <laughs> to be honest, with you. Ramon, I want to take you back to Switzerland because, you know, your, your parents were immigrants and fascinated with them fleeing Spain because of Franco and fascism. But now you're an immigrant in a country where, as well, to, to be accepted, you have to kind of sometimes walk a lot harder, and, and, you know, and the ambition you Absolutely. obviously show, show to get there. You go on to captain your country. <laughs> That's irony. <laughs> you go on to captain them, okay, and represent them. You play in the Euros, but you're left out of the World Cup squad. Mm-hmm. How hard is that to take? Uh, well, first of all, it was very hard. Ninety-four, Switzerland. I was with Roy Hoxton at the time. Was the manager? Hoxton was without a doubt the manager in Switzerland uh, in terms of success. First time Switzerland qualified for such a big World Cup, like ninety-four after thirty years, I think. The last for four prize to two years, I was pretty much always in the squad. Roy Hoxton always took me on the squad. I was one of the youngest centre half. Let's be honest as well. Uh, so I got front of me two elder kind of centre halves that had obviously priority. I was still young, see so start to learn. But Roy Oxen really was keeping me in the squad to learn to be there just in case injury was happening. Of course, you know sometimes that's why I couldn't play. Sometimes I'm that. But I was pretty much through the whole qualification. Yes, my hope was there to be part of of that squad to 22, but. Uh, it was the first time for a lot of Swiss guys to be qualified. They were pretty much a last season of their career. It was maybe the old, maybe the only potential tournament they're going to play. And I think Roy Oxen uh, thought, okay, you need to give them them chance to a younger guy like myself at that time. You know, um, he was disappointed because it was always part of the squad. But you know what? That was also young and understood that I still have a chance maybe to qualify for the next tournaments. You know, it's coming up. And that's that's what happened, of course. The Euro '96, we qualify, and that's what was my time to come and show and shine uh, uh, for the country that time, you know. And and I was proud to do that because uh, I was proud also for my family as well because they had a very hard time to integrate to start with in, in Switzerland, you know. Uh, you need to imagine you come to a country you don't understand the language to start with. Where do you start to find even a job and everything, you know? So for me, it was easy because I born and grew up and I started got to know the language straight away. I went to school. I was like kind of already partly integrated. But at the same time, you still have to fi- find this uh, image that you're an immigrant scenario. And, and that's, uh, you know, if I look around the world around now, immigration happens everywhere in the world, you know? And I think uh, there's economic uh, immigrations, uh, obviously uh, war immigrations, so difference, you know? But I think you need to understand these guys are not going to your country to take your things away. They're going away because in their own country they haven't got opportunity or potentially they're coming out of war. And that's that's if people understand that a little bit. Uh, they have to think about if they're they're in that position. Can you imagine? You know, Scotland is in a huge, 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 huge trouble, and they need to go to Switzerland or any other countries, and they have to take them on. And you're not being accepted. So you just have to imagine that kind of. How, how uh, you will feel, you know, and that's where my parents went through a little bit, me less a little bit, but I still have to prove them that that was part of their local guy, you know, on Captain Switzerland that uh, pretty much proved them everything and shot them a little bit, let's call it that. It's funny as well, like, you know, you ended up with my team, our team, Celtic, which was set up by Irish immigrants to feed the poor 
and like so it's the history that Celtic has as well with immigration. This is that this is why you know I knew the history and then obviously for the whole Irish immigration and Irish uh, immigration historically, you know, even in the UK because you know they speak yeah same language as the easy easy there, but but they're still been not accepted in the past because they were the immigrant in, in the UK. So whatever part of the UK they were going into it. So I had, I was even speaking to Neil Nelland sometimes as well, you know, and he said, I could fear with him because I went through in a similar way, but I came from a Spanish background where not, you don't even speak the language. So it's even more difficult to integrate the country, you know, but I, at least they could at least communicate and integrate and be similar culture, but it's not the same culture because I know that I've been, uh, in Ireland as well, and I, I love them dearly because I have a similar background in terms of historically the immigration scenario, you know. But also Scots, Scots has also immigration, you know, in certain parts of the world, you know. So I think it's it's a path I went through it, and I'm glad that because I know right, it opens my my eyes to all around the world of immigration and situations you you meeting people, you know, you understand a little bit more. Well, they're going through it, you know. Yeah, my, my father emigrated in the fifties to London, and my mum. Yeah. My mum did, didn't stick it long. She she got homesick and came home, but he stuck it. And he he th- said yes. There was the, the no blacks, no dogs, no Irish in some of the accommodation places, the bed and breakfast. Mm-hmm. But he said his experiences were always positive. He, you know, he worked hard and he made a couple of quid, and he he had them because there was no work in Ireland. So I think most families really can relate to it, and that's why I think it's great that you know the Salic support. They do some mm. great work with uh, the immigrant community in Glasgow. Uh, yes. You know, the fan groups and that, and the club. So it's, I'm proud to be part of something like that. Moving on, <laughs> when your parents went to Switzerland Force, they got you educated. You've had quite a quite a colourful uh, career since, <laughs> since you retired from playing football. A quick research on, you know, there's been jewellery shops, investment, there's been finance, yes. there's, been, yes. there's been property, there's been hotels. So, you know, the business outside football has been... Uh, Quite good, yes. Uh, but there's a, you've also been linked with buying Portsmouth and also running for the, the FIFA presidency. So you've been quite busy. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I think all the ways you get bored, you know, in, that, in our ages, you know. <laughs> uh, Listen, I think uh, uh, it's a, it's. I think the football has given me a platform of of, of a driven. A scenario of going forward, you know, football has given quite an international platform as well. I was, you know, in a humble way, I would say, even coming from Switzerland, football, Switzerland is not the major kind of uh, sports, we call it, you know, compared like Spain, Italy, or even in the UK and England or so, or Germany, you know, coming to Switzerland and then make it a play to the Serie A, one of the biggest leagues in those then, and then come to the Premier League and then come to Celtic, I, 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 if if I look back, you know, I'm, I'm on the way. I'm, I'm very proud that I could actually even do something like that. It's 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 from a small country like Switzerland, where football pretty much, as I say, nothing, you know. Uh, but I, I come back to my mother. She insisted to 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 make an education and. Uh, in a humble way, she, you know, she was strict, uh, and I was crying many times. You know, I don't want to do it. I want to play football. Da da da. All these battles you have, you know. Uh, but if I look back, I'm uh, bless her, you know. And I'm glad, glad that I actually went through that very tough times as well. But also, time he, he paid out in, in playing football, but also post career that I had something to go into it. You know, uh, I was banking in finance. That's what was my degree. And, and I went into asset management from day one after my uh, career, you know, I was partner of an asset management. We went to private equity. Uh, we went into the hedge fund side. Different world. <laughs> Completely different world than the football. Uh, finance, um, I would say, how do you describe it? I thought I was coming from a quite high egocentric industry of football. Everybody thinks it's the best player in the world. And going to the city of London, I think it got even worse. It's even bigger egos. Everybody knows how to make money, how much money making, and and so on. How and everybody has the best investments, but the problem is that when they're losing the money, they're disappearing. You know, I got to know that very quick as well. You know, <laughs> uh, that well, you don't have the football, you can't disappear when you're losing a game. You're there, you're on the front page. <laughs> so um, 
this is the kind of advantage I had all of the bits from football gives you as well, you know, you know how to, 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 to cut losses as well, but you also know how to prepare for wins as well and be humble about it when you win, you know, and not really break yourself out there. And I think that comes also from the back, from my background, the home as well, you know, uh, enjoy your win. And, uh, but also be humble about it, uh, you know, because you never know around the corner. Uh, that's something you 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 you're learning either from for as a child from home or you're learning through your career, you know. But it was great. I had this education. It goes back to the reference having an education. It was for me. I could easy, not easy integrate because it was tough. The first two three years going into the business world. Uh, it was very, very tough, Andrew. I have to be honest. It's already tough for any normal person to start a business because it's tough. Uh, it's, it's uh, you are independent. That's the nice thing about it. But at the same time, you need to make sure you can pay the bills end of the month. Of course, you know, and uh, the business doesn't start to be successful over the, uh, one month or two months. It takes maybe a year to two years. Maybe people are more successful in the very one year, but it might be also go down the next year. So. In my case, the first two years was super, super tough. I was in an industry where very competitive. So that side already brought me, with me from the sports side, I football. That I got to know. But here, the competitive was not on the football pitch. It was the mind, the academic side point of view, the cleverness in terms of trading and opportunity. And my toughest challenge was here. Uh, it was the perception the football players had within that industry. Obviously, the lowest, you know, players, football players are dumb, they're not uneducated. And then you got these uh, city flyers with these nice little suits and everything coming from God knows MBAs that have around the best universities in the world. And you're coming from yeah, in a way, humble way. Yes, I had my Swiss education, business degree, and everything else. But I didn't accept that because you played football. So you were working more convincing uh, uh, about the perception of playing as a player of football that actually the product you were trying to sell. Because the product you might have been better than the ones they have, but they will not take it because you, your background was playing football. They will ask you, how the hell you coming into the finance? These eyebrows coming in. Listen, I can understand that side because there's not many football players went to that direction and you might questioning. That's normal. That's human. But the respect I was not been giving. And that's what's the disappointing part of it. So when I realized that, then he said, okay, I need to be better than them. So the competitive side comes into it. And that comes also as a little boy. You need to show the local, even if you're an immigrant, you have to show them you're potentially better to them, them accepting you. And that's triggered me. If suddenly with 35, I have to do the same thing again. And that was the hardest part. With 35, what well, as a young boy, I needed to do. Restart, free the much my career in a different world and prove them I can actually be part of that world and have knowledge about it, you know. And that was really, really tough, Andrew, the first two years. I have to be honest. I nearly, in one stage, nearly was giving up. because said, why the hell do I have to prove these guys anything? I've done my career already. I've done a decent career, I would say, as a football player. These guys, okay, they're coming and go as a city. Why do I have to prove them? In a way, but uh, I think my perseverance in terms of proving them was much higher and I wanted to do that until uh, uh, I proved them that, that yeah uh, uh, they might be wrong and they're accepting me and then that's what happened after two to three years the business starts to be more accepted as such and I've been accepted within the industry you know even sometimes even today people asking questions about it but uh, once they start to talk and uh, and, and uh, talk with me then they start to do the belief that obviously you start to gain knowledge and experience now, looking back, I'm nearly 18 years within the industry and I gained a hell of a lot of experience within the industry. So is the future bright for Roman Vega? <laughs> the future always has to be bright. You have to look at always the bright side of life, you know, my friend, Andrew, you know. I think even you're now in, in, uh, in COVID-19, a lot of people struggling and I feel sorry for lots of guys uh, or people around there. We're all in there. Whatever way you look at it, you, everybody will have some loss in these, but I will only say that this is also a good, uh, good time to reset yourself and have some targets, you know, don't really give up whatever you're in, whatever you might lost, whatever you potentially trouble financially, your jobs and everything else. 
everybody's going through it. You're not the only one out there uh, struggling with it. Really, every single person out there is, is having trouble. Even maybe they're not telling you, but because they're not, they're afraid to be weak. But it is a momentum to say, you know, everybody's in there, and and you have to be strong about it and then it keep going. There's always a solution. The one thing I realized, whatever the deepest or lowest part you have, there's always a solution to get out. If it's a small or a big step, but it's always a solution. Wise words, wise words, Ramon. Ramon, before we wrap up, if I could take you back to one moment in those six months or something, what would it be? Uh, six months. Wow. They were so intense. <laughs> Do we have time on the show? <laughs> if you could pick one moment out of those six months, one game, one goal, one moment, one... Wow. Um, well, I think the, the, the first game was, without a doubt, one of the biggest moments of the start of a major journey with Celtic. Having two goals scored in your first game, not trying one minute with the, with the, with the team. As a defender, I'm not even I was a striker, and you're scoring two goals. It's like a dream comes true, you know. That's for certain one of the greatest memories. But the main, main game, I think, when we closed and won the league to close uh, the treble, to just really have all the three trophies in one cabinet. And I still have this picture at home, big in my, in, my, in, my, in my place, because this is, having these three trophies, I think this is one of the biggest memories uh, at that six months. There's no doubt. And then I will repeat again, you can play anywhere, a year, two years, four years, but if you don't bring trophies back, these four years, I nearly forgotten mine. True, true. Trophies, you can talk for the next 100 years. We can talk in 50 years again. I remember the trouble. Everybody will remember. But if you played there for six months, you didn't want one trophy, everybody will forget you. And Martin was the first manager to do it since Jock Steen. It's historical. It's historical. And I was, I'm so proud I actually be part of such a historical kind of moment for Celtic. You know? And Celtic Club deserves to have it because the fans... Uh, one of the most loyal fans I, I see in my career, and I played in many countries as well. And even as was for short term there, they still praise me, and 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 I see some even random plays around the world. You know, uh, a Scottish guy, Irish guy, say, "Why are you playing for Celtic?" You know, and he's and he's goodness me, that was twenty years ago. You know, <laughs> and I said, "You still remember that?" I, I'm I'm humbled, kind of surprised. He said, "Goodness me, you still remember that?" And he's in. And that's the beauty of our football. And that's the beauty of the, the place for such a big club, you know. And I think uh, Celtic fans would be very, very proud of actually supporting a, a massive club. Well, Ramon, you know, you only have to click in the name of Ramon Vega into that season and just click images. And there's some magnificent images of your mm-hmm. time at Celtic. And uh, just to let you know that as fans, we enjoyed that season too. It's been an absolute pleasure to thank you, Ramon, um, or to talk to you. And I'd like to thank you for coming on and taking the time out to chat to me. And I'd like to wish you all the best for the future. And hopefully, by the end of this season, we'll see it in Glasgow. Absolutely. I hope so, too. I really, really wish uh, all the best with Neil Lennon and all the, all the guys as well. They've done a fantastic job. And I think uh, I really look forward one day, one to be a Celtic part. Say hello to all the Celtic fans again. It would be nice. Nice memory again. Brilliant, Roman. As I said, thank you so much for taking the time out. Thank you, Andrew. Pleasure for me. Thank you very much. Thanks, Ramon, for taking time out to chat to me today. Very interesting to hear about his parents fleeing Franco's fascist Spain for a new life in Switzerland, where they couldn't speak the language but created a home and family unit for Ramon to get educated and build a career in football and later in business. We are almost finished the new upgrades to the website and the new app is just about ready to go. If you like what we're doing with the podcast and the website and you would like to support us, you can support us for the price of a pint by visiting our homepage CelticFansing.com and click the support button. You can donate on a one-off basis or you can set up to become a supporter and support us throughout the season. Now to keep the content free and independent, we rely on our listeners and readers to support us. But don't worry if you can't afford it at this time because we will still provide the same content and maybe down the line you might be in a position to support us. You can also support us by clicking into CelticFanzine.com forward slash shop forward slash and buying a bit of merchandise, a fanzine or taking out a subscription. Prices start at a fiver. The memos area is also about to go live 
Membership starts at $5.99 for 3 months and $19.99 for 12 months. And you get access to all digital editions of the fanzine for the upcoming season and also access to our back catalogue of fanzines that we produced over the last number of seasons. We will also add some extra content and a few bits and pieces over the season. All subscribers to the print edition will also get full access to the members area free. As always, thank you for listening and for your continued support. And once again, thanks to our producer, Ronan McQuillan, for his patience and brilliance. (laughs) And don't cut that out, Ronan. (laughs) The podcast is available on all platforms, so hit the subscribe or follow buttons and you'll never miss an episode. Alternatively, you can visit celticfanzine.com forward slash podcast forward slash where all episodes are stored. Please follow More Than 90 Minutes on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter where we always have offers on merchandise and some competitions to win a bit of merchandise, fanzine, and when we get back to the football, we'll throw in a couple of tickets. Thanks again to our sponsor, CelticClothing.com. If your business or Celtic Supporters Club would like to sponsor an episode or advertise in the fanzine or on the website, please get in contact. You can email us at info at CelticFanzine.com. Keep the comments coming in and let us know your story and who you would like us to chat to on the show. We will be back on Friday with episode 19 when former Celtic player and Dundee captain and manager and a bit of a Dundee legend actually, Barry Smith will be joining me for a chat and to look ahead to the season and the weekend fixture against Hamilton. Enjoy the podcast. If you can support us, enjoy the week as we look forward to the 10 in a row season kicking off the weekend. Keep the faith and stay safe. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.